1: classified as a terrorist group founded in egypt in 1928 its goal is for society to be ruled by islamic law fox news has learned the trump administration is considering banning it here too and designating it as a foreign terrorist organization known as an fto White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer was asked if President Trump takes, will make the designation.
2: I'm not going to get ahead of any announcements that we may or may not have coming in the near future, but make no mistake, the president understands the threat that our nation faces, and he's going to do everything he can to attack it, root it out, and destroy it.
1: I firmly believe that it does threaten national uh, security interests. Florida Republican Congressman Mario Diaz Ballard and Texas Senator Ted Cruz have parallel bills calling on Secretary of State Rex Tillerson to consider if the Muslim Brotherhood should be added to the terrorist list. We At his confirmation hearing, Tillerson called the Muslim Brotherhood, quote, agents of radical Islam. Experts say it has U.S. followers, and its ideology has spawned terrorist groups like al-Qaeda and Hamas. But the group claims it renounced violence decades ago. You have leaders of the, of the Muslim Brotherhood who are uh, designated terrorists. You have uh, organizations under the, the Muslim Brotherhood, like Hamas, uh, who are designated as terrorist organizations. So I think it's pretty much a no-brainer that this is a terrorist organization. But some are wary of labeling the group as terrorists. Robert Polito specializes in constitutional law at Seton Hall University and says the group does not qualify as a terrorist organization under U.S. law.
0: I think designating the Muslim Brotherhood as an FTO is bad in legal terms. I think it's bad in terms of diplomacy. I think it's bad in terms of civil liberties. And it's bad in terms of our constitutional tradition. And it could have a devastating effect on Muslim American communities in the United States.
1: Designating the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist group has been tried before. Last year, Congress considered a similar bill that was co-sponsored by now CIA director Mike Pompeo, but it was not voted on by the House.
0: All right, Sandy Rios with you. That was Eric Sean on Fox News, and that was back in 2017, not long after President Trump had been elected, and he said it well. There was an attempt to designate the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization, but there was great resistance. Now, why am I bringing this up now? Because honestly, I'm not sure that there's been much public discussion, uh, certainly not by Americans, because we're in the midst of all kinds of conflicts right now. Uh, And so the Muslim Brotherhood and radical Islam has kind of faded from our headlines Uh, the attacks on our soil, the beheadings of housewives in Oklahoma, and the attacks in military facilities kind of went by the wayside. And so we've been fighting other battles. But does that mean that the Muslim Brotherhood and radical jihad is not still a danger? Uh, We're going to talk about that today. But first, let me go back just a little bit to tell you why this is such an important story, not only for you, but for me personally and also for my husband, I will start, uh, when I got to Washington, D.C. as President of Concerned Women for America, it was, uh, the the embers were still smoldering at the Pentagon. It was just a few weeks after 9-11. And as the president, I was uh, whisked away by my, what, who became my really good friend, Frank Gaffney, for a briefing on the Muslim Brotherhood's uh, part. Um, I'm not talking about the attack in this moment, but what happened on the day of the attack was that members of the Muslim Brotherhood were supposed to be going to the White House to talk to President Bush. Uh, there was going to be a Muslim outreach because the Democrats had a Jewish outreach and the Republicans wanted a Muslim outreach because that would be good for voting, right? None of us really understood Islam at that time or what the Muslim, or radical Islam and what the Muslim Brotherhood was all about. So uh, they could not go to the White House. They were whisked back to an office— which Frank Affney just happened to share office space with. And they were able, actually, they overheard the conversation. And the conversation basically went like this. Uh, we don't want this to look bad for Muslims, and so this is how we're going to counteract this. And one of the ways they counteracted it was, the you, if those of you that are old enough to remember 9-11, was that President Bush began to entertain leaders of the Muslim Brotherhood in the White House. We saw them. It was an effort to distill all of the uh, Islamophobia, which was is a term that the Muslim Brotherhood coined. Uh, and so they began to parade them through the White House. As, and then as we began to learn more and more about it, became more dangerous. I would say um, the when I appeared on CNN uh, a few months after 9-11, uh, Franklin Graham was uh, quoted, and I was asked to respond because Franklin claimed that uh, radical Islam was uh, a dangerous threat. And I was asked by James Carville if I agreed, and I said yes. And James Carville lost his temper. It's a famous moment on television for that era. I can't repeat to you what he said, but it was a pretty amazing moment. And the topic that night was how the education system was going to neutralize Islamophobia and make sure that Americans didn't think that radical Islam was bad. It wasn't was bad. It wasn't bad, don't you dare say that, don't you dare fight back, don't you feel anything in response to that. That's um, ill Formed And so it actually was very successful. Uh, but it wa- And so the American public, the media, started uh, favorably going overboard trying to cover what was happening in the country and downplaying, uh, so much so that at 9-11, uh, when the memorial was built and Barack Obama, uh, uh, whatever, held the ceremony, there was so little mention of the involvement of Islam and radical Islam and that it was just... Shocking. They managed to tap it all down, and we saw lots of other things. But let me go back, let me rewind. Meanwhile, my husband was part of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. He was an attorney serving in Chicago, and uh, at that time, this was right after 9-11, we found out the FBI was actually the FBI then. And they discovered that uh, Radical Islam was raising money for their terrorist organizations through these charities, which were based in Chicago. So the FBI started investigating. A Chicago, uh, a member of the U.S. Attorney's Office, surprise, surprise, tipped off uh, the, uh, uh, the the Chicago Tribune that the FBI was investigating uh, these uh, charities that were funding this radi- this radical movement of Islam. Uh, and uh, so little did they know, though, the FBI was using wiretap surveillance. And the uh, the FBI actually knew, heard the phone call from the Chicago reporter. And as soon as the call went through, the guy's surveilling could hear uh, the sound of uh, documents being shredded. And so they immediately deployed agents to those foundations. Bruce was the one who ordered that. And so uh, they began to shred those documents and tried to stop the, the bleed. But what we found out for, uh, long uh, later than that in 2004 was that the Muslim Brotherhood had plans to deeply infiltrate this country, and destroy, as they say in their own words, our miserable house from within. The conversation, I could tell you so many other things. I'm trying to be quick because we have an incredible guest to follow up on this. I would just say one more thing. In 2015, the Southern Poverty Law Center created their list of women against Islam. And, of course, it was women against radical Islam. It was Ann Coulter, Brigitte Gabriel, Laura Ingram, Claire Lopez, Judge Janine and yours truly, me, Sandy Rios. And they printed pictures of us, uh, sketches in black and white, and and actually indicated where we lived geographically, which at that time was very dangerous. This was in the midst of, as I said, uh, a woman was beheaded in Oklahoma, for heaven's sake. There were attacks, there were fatwas. It was dangerous at that time. And that's what the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, did to us. Now, This is nothing compared to my next guest, but I want to give you, I wanted you to have an idea why this is very interesting personally to me, but also to you, because our next guest is here to tell us in her new book that the Muslim Brotherhood is not dead. It's The Secret Apparatus, that's the name of her book, The Muslim Brotherhood's Industry of Death. And now I'm going to take a little bit more to introduce our guest because uh, her bio is incredible. Cynthia Farahat is an Egyptian American author, columnist, political analyst, counter-terrorism expert, and a fellow at the Middle East Forum. She co-founded in Egypt the Liberal Egyptian Party, which advocated for peace with Israel and other things. She studied Islamic jurisprudence for more than 20 years. She co-authored Desecration of Heavenly Religion, which was officially banned by uh, the Al-Azhar University in Cairo for her criticism of Egypt's blasphemy law. She uh, she was on a hit list for al-Qaeda. She was officially banned from entering Lebanon. Uh, she received daily threats from Islamists. And I'm going to leave the rest off because I want her to tell us about this. She has testified before the U.S. House of Representatives. She's briefed more than 200 congressional offices. Uh, and there's just so much more. But her new book is called The Secret Apparatus. She spent a uh, couple of decades writing this book and preparing for this and with that Cynthia Cynthia Farah, thank you for joining us this morning
3: Thank you so much for having me Sandy I really appreciate
0: it Yeah so I forgive forgive me for that long introduction but I wanted to just lay the groundwork cuz Cynthia you surely understand because you live here now that Americans have become really shut off to that subject and feel that it's no longer a threat make the case at least in a and a paragraph form of why this is still important that we know.
3: Uh, It is more important than ever before. Uh, The Muslim Brotherhood is the incubator of all Sunni terror groups uh if you if if you hear about al qaeda if you hear about isis if you hear about uh, uh, any terrorist group this is i make the case from their own words from their own internal documents and public speeches that they are not only involved in founding these groups but also they are involved in operating them the title of my book the secret apparatus that is what the muslim brotherhood calls their terrorism wings When they speak in English, they do the Arafat thing. They say we have dismantled our terrorism apparatus decades ago. When they speak in Arabic, they say that it's not only the, uh, it's not only still operational, but it is the ruling body of the group. And it operates with two facades. Muslim Brotherhood operates with a seemingly benign political facade and a covert operation, which is much more deadly and much more dangerous which is controlled by the secret apparatus. Uh, They have started uh, this uh, savvy tactic of uh, operating the terror wing under ostensibly different banners. Everything that is happening right now in Afghanistan, uh, everything that you see in Iran, they are involved in all of this. They have a relationship with the Iranian mullahs, Um, that is so incredibly intense that they both uh, um, are in constant communication from the earliest years of Ayatollah Khomeini. Before he became an Ayatollah Khomeini in 1938, he has been in communication with the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood, Hassan al-Banna, and their project of the Iranian Revolution was actually inspired by the Muslim Brotherhood, and that's according to these their own words and documents and not my conspiracy theory. So the, and the subtitle of my book, The Industry of Death, that's not my hyperbolic interpretation of the group. That is what they call their mission. That's what they call their operation. They say, we are an industry of death. And when you don't hear about the Muslim Brotherhood in the news, It means that they are engaging in what they call the civilization jihad operation. According to the Muslim Brotherhood Terrorism Apparatus, uh, the secret apparatus document that is titled the Explanatory Memorandum, which was discovered by the FBI in 2004, I'm quoting now, it is a civilization jihad operation. The Brotherhood needs to understand that their work in America is a form of a great jihad to abolish and destroy Western civilization internally and destroy its miserable house from within by their own hands and the hands of the believers. And they go into excruciating detail of means of infiltration in their internal document. All right, Cynthia, let's break right
0: there. And when we come back, we'll pick it up. I also want to ask you uh, the dangers that you have faced because of your stand. I want to ask you why they hate you so much and other things so please stay tuned the book is called the secret apparatus the muslim brotherhood's industry of death my guest is cynthia farahat will return in a second sandy rios in the morning on afr talk
1: sandy rios
4: in the morning on american family radio so muslim brotherhood interesting thing here is muslim brotherhood it actually started in egypt but it's no more in Egypt today, no more in uh, Saudi Arabia, no more in UAE, uh, no more in Bahrain. They're all banned. Egypt, uh, Muslim Brotherhood doesn't exist in the Middle East today. But interestingly, they exist in the uh, Western countries, especially in UK, in Canada, in US. And interesting thing here is they have also taken um, uh, you know, um, lobbying position in Washington, D.C., they occupy lobbying position in washington dc this is quite problematic so uh, the first thing they do the muslim brotherhood the first thing they do is they penetrate into the universities they penetrate in, into the media and uh from there they level up and they lobby with the politicians
0: that's a guy named Zehak Tronvir, and that was a recent comment by him, and I think uh, Cynthia Farahat, our guest, might have a little issue with the first thing he said. He said they don't exist in the Middle East, only in the West, but the last part about the infiltration, that was just the tip of the spear. Uh, Cynthia, thanks for joining us again. Can you just respond to what he said?
3: Well, so the, the Muslim Brotherhood do exist in the Middle East. They are actually uh, ruling the government of Qatar. I prove in my book uh, that the Qatari regime is card-carrying members of the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, but I do agree with the statement that they have a fast infiltration operation in the United States I have published a report in 2018 entitled uh, uh, Islamist Justice Terror Lobby Congress. Um, The infiltration is truly disturbing. You have an individual that was accused by the U.S. government for being an operator of Al-Qaeda's website. He's Osama bin Laden's webmaster, and he lobbies Congress. You have a man who identified himself as a member of the Muslim Brotherhood and bragged about his involvement in the murder of 600 and murder and injury of 606 people in Egypt, currently teaching at Union College in New Jersey. All their names are in my book, all this information in my book. Uh, You have the cousin of Ayman al-Zawahiri Mahazam, also lobbying Congress. It is uh, truly incredible and shocking uh, the amount of level of of infiltration they have uh, successfully achieved in the United States. Uh, Al-Turabi, Hassan al-Turabi, one of Osama bin Laden's uh, best friends uh, who died in 2016, said that they have infiltrated U.S. intelligence agencies so much that they— themselves the brotherhood control the narrative about the group inside these agencies um it's uh, it's it, it's it's truly shocking president barack obama has infested his regime with uh, mem- members of the muslim brotherhood um it's uh, it's out of control to be honest with you and we have to start bringing awareness uh, to these intense level of infiltration, according to the secret apparatus bylaws, every Muslim Brotherhood operative, whether he is uh, cleaning bathrooms or whether he's an intelligence agent, he should daily submit reports to the international apparatus, which the Muslim Brotherhood calls the vanguards of organized invasion. That's what they call their international apparatus, which exists in the United States. That's that's what they call it. They have to submit reports daily about their job activities and uh, give all the secrets of the trades and all the information, who's, who, who's doing what, hour-by-hour hour details. So we are dealing with a cult. The Muslim Brotherhood is not simply a terror group, it's also a cult. It said that it had in, that it is a recreation of the Shia medieval cult of the assassins. The word assassin itself is derived from Al Hashashin, which became Assassin and then Assassins. The Muslim Brotherhood say we are the revival of the eleventh and twelfth century cult of the assassins. That's their own words. They said that they have borrowed their internal structure from Joseph Stalin's power apparatuses. And that's where the term the secret apparatus comes. They have borrowed elements from the German Communist Party and the Nazi Party internally to integrate it into their draconian structure. Um, it's an uh, existential threat to the United States and every Western government. Cynthia, uh, it's I, just I, like cancer.
0: Uh, well, let me let me pick up on that. I just want to interject. Their their motto, as I recall, was "We love death more than they
3: love life." Is that still their motto? Yes, yes. That's something that they frequently use. Um, that's a, <laughs> that's uh, the, Hassan al the founder of the Brotherhood, extensively wrote that he loves. Death more than he loves life. They not only target, by the way, Jews and Christians and non-Muslims, they actually have an extermination program for Muslims who are, who do not support jihad, which is the vast majority of Muslims, which they call the blood tax or the blood sacrifice program, where they believe in their cult that they should ritually sacrifice Muslims so that Allah would forgive the Muslim nation for abandoning Sharia law. It's a death cult. Uh, They believe in uh, a a very disturbed uh, vision of uh, the afterlife, and they believe that they should bring upon and instigate the end of times through covert and overt warfare. That's what they say, Uh, not only in their classical literature, but in the literature now. You have them it's so incredible the things that they say in Arabic, and I have to, i i didn't need to basically say anything except provide their own words and their own writings. I have nine hundred forty five footnotes in my book to prove exactly what i'm saying. It's an indictment, and anyone who, does, who reads this book and doesn't think that the Muslim Brotherhood is a terrorist organization, they need to check their mind, to be honest with you. Cynthia, let's talk for a second about, you, you were
0: in Egypt. I don't know when you came, how long have you been here? I came to America in 2011. All right, so you were you aware, I'm just curious, were you aware from Egypt of how they had infiltrated in the United States? Were you aware, aware over there?
3: Oh I absolutely absolutely uh one of the worst moments of my life after 9/11 because I knew that the Muslim Brotherhood perpetrated 9/11 directly because the 3 al Qaeda leaders and founders uh Ayman al-Zawahri Osama bin Laden and Abdullah al were not only card-carrying members in the Muslim Brotherhood they remained members of the Muslim Brotherhood till they all died and I'm proving that from the words of the Muslim Brotherhood. So 9-11 was perpetrated by the Brotherhood. And then when President Bush showed up after 9-11, behind him, the Muslim Brotherhood operator and leader, Mihaz Awad, That's right. That's that was right. one of the worst moments of my mm. life because they were taunting us. They were taunting the victims of the Muslim Brotherhood worldwide. They said, look what we are capable of. We are, we have an Egyptian saying that says they killed the deceased, deceased and marched in his funeral. And that's exactly what happened. They perpetrated 9-11 and then added salt to injury by marching in their, in the funeral of the victims by appearing with President George Bush. I've been always acutely aware of their danger since I was a teenager and that's why they have targeted me all my life
0: yes and let's talk about that Cynthia because you have paid an incredible price I think um, let's let's just talk first about your brother what did they they want you they want you dead you're on a death list but what did they do to your brother and why
3: so and after um, the, the when, during the so-called Arab Spring protests against uh, Mubarak's regime, who was working with the Muslim Brotherhood, by the way. Um, they call, One day I received a phone call, and um, someone told me that, uh, that then Prime Minister Ahmed Shafiq wanted to meet me to discuss what the protesters want, and I told them I do not represent the protesters. Unlike you, I do not speak on behalf of people who did not represent me to do so. I don't know these people, and I don't know what they want. And I'm not going to meet Mr. Shafiq. They wanted a photo a photo with me to, to to try to say, okay, classic liberal, a Coptic woman likes us, so we're good. It's Or to legitimize my work. I don't know what was the purpose of it, so I said no. The next day, my brother was kidnapped, and I was calling him over the phone. And I heard him screaming while they were breaking his bones and calling him a dirty Jew. And then the phone call cuts off, and I received another call from the gentleman who called me a day earlier and said, we have your brother. If you concede to our demands, he's going to be released in one hour. And I'm not going to tell you what I said because it's extremely obscene. Uh, But I refused to negotiate because I understand the psychology of these monsters. If you give them an inch, they will take a mile. If I had said yes, Well, my brother was in captivity and negotiated with these terrorists. They would have killed him and came to our house and murdered all my family. I said no, and my defiance paid off, and my brotherhood was home an hour later, although they broke his upper jaw, and now he has metal holding up his upper jaw. So we have paid an extensive price, and in October of 2011, I was supposed to go to a protest for religious freedom with Muslims and Christians, and it was going to be um, a, a form of solidarity against the Muslim Brotherhood terrorism in Egypt. I got a fever I didn't go. A friend that I was supposed to meet there was murdered execution style in front of TV cameras in what is known as the Master of Massacre. And that yes. my, that fever saved my life. But I got a phone call from a Muslim Brotherhood uh, operative in the Egyptian military who said, we missed you today, but it's over. We are going to get you. And while I was receiving 10 to 50 death threats a day, I took that last one seriously after they murdered my dear friend, Michael Mossad. May he rest in peace. And I vowed that I'm going to expose them then they knew I was working on a book to expose them because I was under constant surveillance. Um, and after my failed assassination attempt, three weeks later I came to America not even knowing where I was going to spend the night, never visited America before. And uh, I have been working since to expose these monsters that destroyed my country, killed uh, an untold number of people. Actually, their death tolls, I'm proving in the book that their death tolls in the millions, um, because they directly governed the the, gov- the genocidal regime of Ammar al-Bashir in Sudan. That was a Muslim brotherhood regime. Wow.
0: So
3: I'm exposing them, and uh, I'm 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 daily paying the price for it. It, it has never stopped. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, they activated Al Qaeda cells for Muslim. I'm writing an article about this. This is breaking news on your show. The Muslim Brotherhood activated Al Qaeda cells in America uh, a couple of weeks ago, and to target the Muslim Brotherhood opposition. And I'm on top of this list. The individual who announced the activation uh, of the terrors of, of Al-Qaeda cells is in my book, and it's hard to not take it personally. So that's Absolutely. a new target against me right wow. now. Cynthia,
0: let me clarify something. I, I said you were Muslim. Are you Muslim or are you
3: a Coptic Christian? I'm Coptic Christian, but okay. I, I have, my best friends are Muslim, I have Muslim family members, yeah, and yeah. Uh, they're more afraid of the Muslim Brotherhood than anyone on the planet, to be honest with you.
0: You know, I the last time I was watching what was happening in Egypt, and it's been a long time, honestly, Cynthia, because, uh, because of all the other things happening in America, and you know now what those things are, I haven't been tracking uh, what's going on in Egypt, and uh, Mubarak was taken down by the Muslim Brotherhood, he was tried, and then uh, anyway, uh, Morsi was placed in, and he was the head of the Muslim Brotherhood, and that was a disaster. And then General Al Sisi took over, and after that, I don't, I just lost track. So you're telling me the Muslim Brotherhood is back in power, which is just a nightmare. And it's a nightmare for all of us. Her book is called The Secret Apparatus, The Muslim Brotherhood's Industry of Death. My guest is Cynthia Farahat. And when we come back, Cynthia, let's talk about, I would be really interested to know your perspective on what that withdrawal from Afghanistan did to the balance of power and what's happening and um, and many, many other topics. So please stay tuned. And All of you, please stay tuned. Our, our uh, guest will be back in just a second. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
1: forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at sandy at afr.net That's sandy at afr.net Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio
2: So the Organization of Islamic Cooperation which is tied very closely to Turkey and of Erdogan, uh, Turkey's leader, uh, is very closely tied also to the Muslim Brotherhood and the Muslim Brotherhood in the Holy Land Foundation trial uh, in the mid-2000s It was revealed because the FBI had raided the secret sub-basement of one of their members... It was revealed their plans in the United States of America. And so any adjunct of the Muslim Brotherhood is following along with these plans is a direct existential threat to the United States of America. And I want to be really clear because they laid it out in their own words what their plan was. And this was introduced as evidence in the Holy Land Foundation trial. And this was the the, the strategy that they were going to use in America. Quote, the process is a civilization jihadist process with all the word means. The Muslim Brotherhood must understand that their work in America is a kind of grand jihad eliminating, in, in eliminating and destroying Western civilization from within and sabotaging its miserable house by their hands and the hands of the believers. So the whole point behind this was a civilization jihadist process. So this idea that the immigration coming into this country is somehow just innocuous and we don't need to worry about it really isn't true based on their own words.
0: That's uh, Representative Matt Shea, a Republican from Washington State. I don't, I don't know who he is. I've never heard of him before, but boy, is he spot on and very knowledgeable. Cynthia Farahat is our guest. Her new book is *The Secret Apparatus: The Muslim Brotherhood's Industry of Death*. Now, uh, Cynthia, have you? Uh, I don't, I don't know if you wrote about this because I didn't get to read the whole book. But uh, the immig- the open border at the south. Do you view that as uh, another area we should be concerned about? That's kind of a dumb question, but please answer.
3: I think you know the answer. Uh, Absolutely. Of course we should, we should, we should not be only worried, but horrified and terrorized because they are using it to smuggle jihadists. And law enforcement knows that very well. Um, actually, the southern borders have been, uh, for decades, uh, something that Islamists have been discussing. Uh, Abdullah al-Nafisi, a Muslim Brotherhood uh, leader and uh, one of the mo- most renowned terrorists in the world, said that if uh, they decide one day to... Um, Target the United States with biological warfare uh, through smuggling anthrax or something worse, it's going to be through the southern borders. And also it's not a coincidence that the man called Mazen Muhtar, whom the United States accused of being the webmaster of al-Qaeda, is uh, is providing trucks with so-called aid to the southern border. Uh, I do not uh, think that this man is very kind. So uh, law enforcement should be looking at what is the Muslim Brotherhood doing with massive trucks? On the southern border of okay with uh, with an individual who is implicated with Al Qaeda, according to the U.S. government, not according to me. So it, it's very disturbing.
0: And Cynthia, you just if people are just tuning in, you just announced a few minutes ago in the last segment that you've just heard that they're uh, the, uh, mm, the Muslim Brotherhood is activi- activating Al Qaeda cells in America. Well, no wonder. If people are coming across, you know, they've got their manpower, and I just think this is just another warning shot, a warning shot to all of us uh, to be on guard. And I would have to say, too, Cynthia, I have to interject, that the Republican Party leaders have been some of our greatest enemies on fighting this, and I'm not talking about President Trump. Uh, I can tell you firsthand in Washington, when we tried to expose this, the Republicans, were they just tried to shut us off and made us— the idiots like they do with uh, election integrity, uh, how dare we talk about that and offend Muslims because they wanted Muslims to be part of their base and they refused to listen to the briefings that were provided to them. So uh, now you're going to be equipped and when you read this book, you're going to be better equipped to know how to discuss this uh, with your congressman and it's going to become more, much more of an issue as the, as the problems begin to surface from the top. Uh, Cynthia, you say that this book was very difficult for you to write, and you had all kinds of circumstances. Can you just explain why it was so hard?
3: Yes, I I actually uh, wrote this book while dealing with inflammatory breast cancer, which is the most aggressive type of cancer, and multiple sclerosis. I've had, uh, during the journey while writing the book, uh, I had uh, combined 30 hours of surgeries, uh, excruciating pains, uh, radiation burns, um, countless multiple sclerosis, hospitalizations. I had to learn to walk, talk, um, swallow on my own. One of the hospitalizations, I was so sick that they, the hospital offered me a priest to administrate the last rites because I couldn't breathe or feed myself. And... Um, uh, it was an excruciating journey, but I had to bring this out. I had to expose this criminal entity. I was literally, while sitting on my desk, bleeding while I was writing the book because I couldn't afford uh, to uh, not share this indictment that implicates them in horrific terrorism across the globe and to expose them because I love America um, so much more than I love myself. And I love the US Constitution more than I love myself. And that's why I wrote this book under these horrendous conditions to make sure that it's out and to make sure that even if I die, I continue to fight these monsters while I'm rotting in my grave through this book.
0: Well, Cynthia, you make me cry, honestly. I, you know, um, uh, I've always said this, I'll say it again, that people who come to our shores from other places have such a love for what our founders laid down for all of us, and we, as you know, take it for granted, and you don't, and so it's like yeah. a breath of fresh air with tears to hear you say what you just said. Now, let me ask you some practical things. Um I'm curious about that withdrawal from Afghanistan, the sudden withdrawal by the Biden administration. What effect did that have, do you think, on the efforts of the Muslim Brotherhood worldwide?
3: Okay, so this is an utter, utter, absolute disaster. And in my book, I cover 12 deadly mistakes that happened intentionally to revive Afghanistan to become the jihadist base. More, but much more stronger than it was pre nine eleven. So now we have circumstances that are worse pre nine eleven, and the architect of this whole um, policy was Ambassador Zalami Khalili Zad, the then U.S. representative for uh, the so-called Afghan reconciliation uh, treaty, which was uh, agreement, which was basically. Um, an effort to revive the taliban and de- and bring back their worst mass murderers from across the globe from iran and from gitmo to bring them to qatar to run a jihadist uh, a transnational <laughs> jihadist playground for terrorists in afghanistan under the supervision of the qatari muslim brotherhood regime the Taliban actually are the current leaders of Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda has, uh, Al Qaeda late Ayman al Zawahri has pledged the Islamic oath of allegiance to the Taliban. So they are the de facto leaders of Al Qaeda and ISIS. So it's it's truly truly uh, uh, horrible the situation there now. Terrorists. No, the maximum reaction they can get when they perpetrate a terrorist attack on the magnitude of 9-11. They know what America is going to do, but we do not know to what extent they're willing to go. They have uh, military-grade weapons now. They are in a much better situation than they were pre-9-11. Sorry, I'm just... Uh...
0: I know that what you're saying is true. It's just so hard to comprehend. I, I, let me I, I explain to people, Cynthia, if, if the Muslim
3: Brotherhood has its way in the world, what would the world look like? It would look like Afghanistan. It would look like Afghanistan under the Taliban, where they are bombing uh, schools for girls while they are uh, raping young boys where they are warlords while they're running a narco terror state uh, it's, uh it's, it's 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 my idea of hell this is what they are aspiring to that's the model they are aspiring to replicate everywhere they have to destroy western civilization that's the core of their mission so <laughs> that's how it would look like all right so Cynthia uh I
0: could <laughs> I know that you write about solutions. It sounds almost impossible to unring this bell. But what solutions do you see?
3: I see the solutions uh because I have this love affair uh with the US Constitution and the founding fathers. They dealt with these challenges. The US Navy was invented to counter jihad. What is known as the Barbary Wars in America yes. are known in Arabic as jihadist campaigns. So what did the founding fathers do? That's what that's the solution. Strength. James Madison articulated it, I might be rephrasing it. James Madison said when Muslim uh, uh, caliphates and leaders who were wanting to extort uh, what is called the jizya tax from infidels, James Madison said, um, while peace is better than war, war is better than tribute. While the United States wishes war with no nation, it will buy peace with none. Showing power, showing that we are not going to compromise and negotiate showing moral consistency that's what's going to win this battle that's how i survived the muslim brotherhood and i think that if the united states go back to the founding fathers and the way they dealt with this unconventional foe that's how we're going to defeat them
0: that sounds wonderful, and uh, certainly the Barbary Coast was Thomas Jefferson who was president then. That's a great story. It's a great reminder. Um, Cynthia, you're still not out of the woods with your cancer, and I just want to tell people that uh, Cynthia needs our prayers. Uh, she has so much courage, and she's in danger from the Muslim Brotherhood, but also just the, the own attack on her body. But um, uh, she, her, your courage is just a, a something of a wonder, Cynthia, to all of us, because we live such you know, we live very, very, we have lived such uh, luxurious, wonderful, easy lives. And I think it's the blessing of God. And I don't, I don't, uh, except for the fact that we've squandered it, I think it's probably been a, a wonderful thing for us. Uh, but it's time to wake up and realize that realities are, are that we are, we're coming into a new world. How would you advise us to prepare ourselves for just mental and physical battle? Um.
3: That for, to 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 be able to fight mental battles and physical battles adequately, never identify psychologically with your with your adversity or your weaknesses or your victimization or shortcomings. I view my illnesses the same way I view the Muslim Brotherhood as domestic enemies. I do not identify as someone who's sick. I do not identify as a victim and never will. Um, We should, uh, this is how we can continue to be psychologically and morally strong in the face of adversity, is to put it in its place and um, not uh, see ourselves as victims, but as victors.
0: I love that, and of course, I would, of course, put the the spin I would put on it, and I bet you would too, Cynthia, because of your background, is that there is a God who uh, actually has a different viewpoint from the uh, Muslim Brotherhood, a God who uh, transcends, has a plan for mankind, and uh, gives people who trust and love Him a power that is just uh, indescribable. And a victory over sometimes uh, overwhelming forces, and so we pray that for you and your own body, and also as uh, we pray for protection for you, Cynthia. And this has been wonderful. I, I just thank you for your time thank again. You. The book, the book is called uh, "The Secret Apparatus: The Muslim Brotherhood's Industry of Death." The Secret Apparatus: The Muslim Brotherhood's Industry. Of death, I recommend that you get this book and read it, and to take it to heart. Share it with friends so that we can be prepared to fight just yet another front. Uh, this has been Sandy Rios in the morning on Afr Talk.